Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining me today on the show to go through all the action in the pool last week in Tokyo is an off-the-block swimming podcast veteran now. This is his third time coming on. Not just that, he's also a former world record holder, former uh, three-time Olympian, uh, and former world champion as well. He's been everywhere on the TVs in the last week (laughs) or so. Uh, Mr. Michael Klim, mate, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, mate. It's always a pleasure to to talk swimming, it's obviously still both of our passion. And um, yeah, what a uh, what a week of swimming it was in in Tokyo. So um, yeah, it was it was it was a good, great thing to to watch as a spectator and a former Olympian and um, and an Aussie as well. Man, absolutely, we're going to get to heaps of stuff from the pool. But before we get to that, you've been watching other sports. What's caught your eye? What have you been getting around? What got you off your lounge that you didn't think would? Because I'll be honest, the other night, I'm not a huge sort of soccer fan. It doesn't really float my boat. Yeah. But when the girls uh, got up the other night, I know they went down from the you know the semifinal game. But when they won the quarterfinal, I was cheering. And I've, I've never got yeah, off my yeah. chair before. <laughs> Mate, to be honest, there's been a couple of sports. I've I've been um I've started doing a little bit of ski paddling, ocean ski paddling, and um I've got a new appreciation for the for kayaks and the, the K1s and K2s and seeing those guys how strong they are and how quickly those those kayaks move through the water. So I, I sort of got, you know, I was glued to that. But then even watching, you know, the skateboarding and BMX and some of those tricks that, you know, the guys were doing out, um, yeah, it was just phenomenal. So I think probably some of the, the non-traditional sports really sort of caught my eye a little bit. But um, but I was, you know, I'm a bit of a sucker for, for track and field as well. So mm. watch, to see the grass win the 200 yesterday, um, you know, where obviously he got, he got second behind Bolt in the last game. So... Was um yeah it was pretty cool to watch but mate um I love sports in general yeah. so I was I could even I think I could watch the the, the walking race you know and I was cheering. <laughs> well, you mentioned there the track and field mate aren't the Aussies turning it on there? We saw Bowl uh, get to a, a final in the eight hundred and I think came fourth and we we saw mm-hmm. the young fella in the hundred freest uh, the hundred freestyle the hundred sprint uh, <laughs> get to the semi final as well. Yeah. He went you know ten point which is uh, you know Australian record and he, he's flying and looking to go under ten which is unheard of in Australia. So it is pretty exciting, and it's good to see they're turning it on. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, having listened to you know Dave Colbert and Bruce, and you know, I think that what they were saying that it's almost like a cultural shift in within the track and field team that the you know the guys are racing differently. They're not just coming out and and trying to get through the semis. You know, they're leading the way and almost adopting a little bit of the swimmers' mentality where 
you know, they're really getting out there for it. They, you know, like Peter Bowl was a perfect example where, um, you know, he led the race and, you know, cemented his spot in the semi, etc. So um, I think that there has definitely been a shift in, the, in that track, track and field psyche. And then the next sort of few years, and, you know, we've got Paris and then obviously, you know, you've got LA and then and Brisbane. I think it's, it's such a great, great era in, our, in, in the sport moving forward. Mm. Now, I know this podcast is going to come out tomorrow, mate. So for anyone listening, um, hopefully, because there's some big games coming on tonight, I think the the Aussie basketball, the men are playing yeah. US tonight. Yeah, That's going to yeah, be massive. Yeah. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure when the women's volleyball's on, but I know we're in a, a gold medal match no, for that as well. Yeah, ju- just just obviously just won that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's got to, the girls have got a day off. And then, um, so, yeah, it'll be on, on Saturday. So, yeah, so it's all great. happening and then we've got the you know the men's hockey so yeah get behind it there's a lot of aussie action i know we're biased to swimming and we did kill it in the <laughs> pool but I, I think the aussies are stepping up across the board let's get stuck into how exciting all of that is coupled with the fact that we've just got the brisbane 2032 games mm. Mm. how exciting a is it to to have another home games and selfishly we get to go to it either as a fan or as a coach or as a podcast hopefully 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 the podcast is just killing it by then and i'm there as media and i get to sit on pool deck that'd be great that's it Um, that's it but how exciting not only from that aspect mate and you were there in in 2000 the funding Mm. that's going to come into sports in australia to help uh you know elevate is going to be massive isn't it look i think it's going to work on many different levels so you you'll get the uh the government funding, the Australian Sports Commission, hopefully will, you know, dedicate additional funding into sports and, you know, facilities, et cetera, which, you know, exactly what happened in the lead up to Sydney. So, you know, there was all the satellite programs got additional money to, you know, to travel to, you know, it's just, just for resources, really. And as we know, I think the best example was, you know, the Brits when, when London won the games, their government put so much money behind it, just every sport possible. And, mm. um, you know, and it, it is sad to say, but money wins medals. And, you know, the Brits had one of the best Olympics ever. So I think if we can, uh, and I'm pretty sure that the, the Australian government will also try and, um, you know, cement some kind of, uh, uh, you know, great, great Olympics, which obviously we had one in Sydney and trying to, um, you know, do the same in, in Brisbane. But then you've got obviously from a from a corporate point of view as well, there's always um, a lot of corporate support and, and sponsorship and, and those sort of and involvement. People want to be part of this kind of Olympic movement that's going to be happening. And um, I remember, I think it was a good at least, you know, four, four years in the lead up to the Games where, you know, companies want to jump on board with, Olympians or with people that have been part of, you know, the Olympic movement and, and be part of that journey. And I think then, you know, it's, yeah, so it's um, multifaceted kind of involvement from, you know, government funding to corporate investment and, uh, and then even grassroots. So, you know, I think not only the guys will be competing in, in Brisbane, but then, you know, moving on after that as well. So I think it's, yeah, hopefully, um, so many great things can happen after you know from having an Olympic Games on home soil. Yeah, mate, I think you hit the nail on the head and you brought up a great point that we probably haven't raised yet. It's the flow-on effect. We're all excited selfishly about the games for ourselves. <laughs> but if we look at Sydney 2000 and what you guys did, not to you know, you know, make you feel uncomfortable, but what you guys did in Sydney, 
you know, inspired a generation of swimmers to come after that. So, you know, the swimmers that get to compete in 2032, to your point, have an opportunity yeah. to do exactly the same. Yeah, and, and, and it's even, you know, to as, an, as a great example, the, the Sydney Games, we did quite well, but the, the Games after that in Athens, we actually, uh, our medal sort of tally was much better than what it was in Sydney. So mm. there is a residual kind of flow on effect with, um, you know, and I think once you experience that sort of, Olympic sort of uh, experience and then obviously a lot of that you have that residual kind of effect so um, yeah so I think you know there will be definitely a, a flow on effect for, for a lot of athletes for sure. Yeah it's an exciting time that's for sure I'm ready to go um, let's get stuck <laughs> into the swimming mate an incredible week in the pool not just from an Australian <laughs> perspective but from a genuine yep. fan of swimming it was great we had world records we had for the mm. first time in a long time some really good head-to-head racing um, yeah. You know, anticipation. I talked about it yesterday with Gian and, and Bobby Hurley, the anticipation of, you know, uh, Ledecky versus Tipness, Dressel versus Chalmers. We haven't had that in, in such a long time. Um, before we mm-hmm. get to that point, talk to me about the trials change. So we're typically, mm-hmm. and certainly back when you swam, trials were always in that sort of, you know, March to April time. And then you had... Yeah you know, another, you know, what, four to five months preparation. We've changed that. Yeah. We've adopted the US version and we've, we've done it sort of, you know, four to five weeks out. Fair to say that's paid off that change because if we look back, Commonwealth Games, World Champs, we did it and this is our first games we've done it, but we've come out with some pretty good results from Australian perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, a, um, I think it was a change and not even a trial because I think, you know, for the first time we did, the, the trials like close to a major meet for Commonwealth Games in Melbourne in 06. Um, and then they reverted back to the original kind of three months between um, trials and the major meet. But I think it it does, especially when you are, uh, when the criteria is so cutthroat with, you know, with basically being top eight in the world, um, I think you want to eliminate any grey area. So, uh, and having it in one preparation where you don't have to then go and rest and build up and, and taper again. So I think it's, um, it's an extended taper with a small, uh, with another activation period of maybe a week or two and then rest again. So I think it definitely, you know, eliminates a lot of things. So from injuries to illness to et cetera. And I think the other thing that really benefited the team, that time together, you know, they mm. pretty much went from trials into, you know, into a staging camp scenario, which typically, you know, it's a week max before you then go into another, uh, into the major meet. So I think the guys had close to two weeks together in Cairns and then they went into Tokyo. So even I think longer. So I think it's definitely beneficial for for the guys. I think, um, you know, it's supposed to also simplify a lot of the relay selections. And unfortunately, I think it probably... um, you know, there's probably one relay that we probably don't, don't agree with some of the selections mm-hmm. there, but um, we'll get to it, mate. Don't worry, we'll yeah. get to it. <laughs> it, it it's uh, yeah, it's it, it's definitely supposed to clarify and simplify all selections as well for relays, which I think it was uh, pretty well executed. Hey, spare a thought for all the listeners listening here. Spare a thought for Karina Lee. Now, we we famously mm. yesterday saw her uh, win a bronze medal yep. in the 10k yep. marathon <laughs> swim. Now, we talked just yeah. about qualifying a month ago. She qualified over a year and a half ago. 
exactly. for these games. So you yeah. know, the pressure was right on her to 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 lift and and to maintain her you know competitive level. Not only did she did that, you know, I think she far exceeded it, and, and congratulations to her. But yeah, the pressure yeah. would have been on Paul Karina. Yeah, look. She, you know, she's a great, um, great ambassador for open water swimming, you know, and um, obviously with the World Series swims that that um, I've been involved with over the years, she's, you know, obviously being Noosa based, she's come along and she's taken out the, uh, the Noosa Summer Simmer a number of times, but she's, you know, she's always smiling and always, but she's such a tough competitor. Um, and, you know, so she, she gave it her all as a really well executed race. But as you said, um, you know, she had to qualify over 18 months ago and, you know, there's so much that can happen in that period. But, you know, look, having seen her on the telly yesterday, she looked super fit and ready to go. And I think even, you know, her physique kind of suited the climate as well, being so hot. And, um, yeah, I don't know how those guys did it in, that, in the water that's 30 degrees. But, um, yeah, it just shows how adaptable athletes at that level can be and especially you know the likes of Brent Hayden for example who you know was on his last legs and qualified yeah. you know wanting to qualify for Tokyo 2020 um, and came back for that and then had to extend his comeback by a full year to then compete in in Tokyo 21 so um, but then still swam an amazing you know it swam 47 in a in a lead off on the four by one and then you know great great sort of 50 as well so um, you know, it just shows you how capable we are if you uh, apply yourself mentally. Absolutely, mate. Well said. Now, there's no doubt these games we talked about were exciting, the head-to-head matchups. What <laughs> did you enjoy about it? What were some of the matchups that you enjoyed the most? I know probably the first one that will come off your, the top of your head. So, yeah, talk to me about it. What were your favourites? Look, I, I, I'm a big fan of Kyle Chalmers, and I think he's – um, the way he's been able to handle everything in the last five years, um, and obviously I was I was cheering so loud in the last ten meters. I could see him moving up on Dressel, um, and it was it was a great race. But in saying that, I I was in absolute awe of seeing Milak and Dressel go head to head in that yeah, hundred butterfly. That was race. that is it next level. You know, like just for those for the listeners. You know, I had a world record of 51.8 for nearly six years. So, you know, that, that, that time didn't progress for six years. And these guys went from, you know, they took the world record from 51 to low 50s, and now it's low 49s. If you, you know, if you give Milak and Dressel the ability to do a tumble turn, these guys would be going mid 48s for a mm-hmm. 100 flight. It's just, it's just phenomenal. So, um and, you know, I'm just sort of – because I, I still try and, you know, you're, you're a coach, you understand. But if you look at them, they, both of those guys, technically, they're very sound, but it's not like they're doing anything that extraordinary in the water that it's kind of like I'm just trying to work out why they're swimming so much quicker. But then, but then you look at Dressel's start and you look at that first 10 metres after this breakout and mm-hmm. how he manages to – get that momentum into into his swimming and it's 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 all putting all those bricks together of your race rather than just identifying one part to the next so um yeah for me because i could probably relate to those guys and and you know <laughs> how they're swimming literally two and a bit seconds quicker than i 
ever possibly could. Yeah. And yeah, it was great to watch. Absolutely. Well, yeah, Milak, what an effort from him, the 200 fly, <laughs> and then to come back and to match the fastest man in the world. And he proved that in the 100 free and the 50 free. Like I've yeah. never seen somebody win a 50 free as dominantly as, as Dressel exactly. did. In yeah. that 53. Yeah. So it was a massive effort from Milak. Um, you're absolutely right. Now, talking about the US, we, we did see some sort of unfamiliar performances in their relays. Now, don't get me wrong, they still performed pretty well. Mm. They did get up on the podium, but probably not as much as they have in the past. What do you put that down to, yeah. mate? Is that just a, a shift in the times? Is that just us noticing that Lochte and Phelps aren't there anymore? And, you know, probably they, mm. you know, were more important to the team than we thought. Yeah, interesting because obviously I think it was Zach Apples. You're referring to Zach Apples' split, I think, in that in that four by two where he faded. And um, I think even the mixed you know, relay, mate, they they didn't podium yeah, on the mixed, the, and they've probably yeah, exactly. got some of the fastest people in the world, women and men, in their team. So yeah, exactly. And look, I think it's oh look, I, I'm not sure what you put it down to. I think overall the depth in the sport is is increased so much and. You know, like just qualifying for finals, it becomes so much tougher. And I think, and if you're not carrying that great momentum, or you're not feeling 100, percent and and even you know something that we noticed even in that last medley relay for the girls, where the Australians had much better relay changeovers compared to the Americans, mm-hmm. where you know, and obviously you know was reported with Kate. Kate Campbell's changeover of 0.04, probably the touch and go, but and then you had the American. Yeah, let's not get the let's not get the American started, mate. They're still whinging about that. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. to tell us that we're cheating, so, yeah, so, please. <laughs> so probably, you know, probably some of their skills that that they're renowned for went quite there, and that that probably comes with confidence too. You know, they they won eleven golds, we won nine. It's you know, it's where I think it's probably wasn't as a dominant kind of um, meet, which they're probably used to. Well, let's get to another very topical uh, thing through the week, and that was no doubt Dean Boxall's outstanding performance on night one of the finals. (laughs) Ariane wins gold. Now, for me, it was perfect because it was pretty much what everyone was doing in their lounge rooms. And for me, again, I think it just showed his passion and the culmination of so much hard work and energy and effort from both of Mm. them. And Mm. I thought it was brilliant. Not everybody did. What did you think of, of Dean's, uh, you know, performance at the end when she won gold? <laughs> Look, I think we, as, uh, I think as well, the coach-swimmer relationship is so important and it's, you know, that I think it's, it's easier sometimes for swimmers because we get a chance to express ourselves and put that energy in the water and, um, and especially there's, there's so much work that goes into the lead up of these, these big races. And I, I thought it's it fine, you know, and I thought it was great to see his emotions just explode <laughs> almost, you know, and it's, um, I think probably in hindsight, he probably would have sort of gone out the back and done the same thing instead of doing it in camera in front of a camera. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with that because it just shows how much it means to not only the not only to Ariane but to his coach, to her coach, and to the family, and to even all the Australian public. So um, you know, it's yeah, it's really important to us. And you know, he's uh, I, I think he did get a talking to after that first performance because he was much more 
subdued the second time around. Did you notice the coaches um, were around him on the second time ready to grab him if he started running? I noticed Mooney was there ready to get him if he started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, look, it's, you know, we've got, I think we've got this tradition of obviously Laurie Lawrence and doing uh, Where is the Animal? And, you know, and it's, it wasn't the first time that we've been uh, nearly kicked off the pool deck <laughs> as a coach. So, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely fine. It's, um, you know, everyone's got their own thing. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good to watch. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a few memes going around. <laughs> oh, for sure. That went off for, for a good two or three days. And, and yeah, as I've said, I, I loved it. I'm not bringing this up so I can try and say it was bad. I absolutely loved it. And I thought he was pretty much emulating what everyone was doing in their lounge rooms in Australia. Yeah. Um, mate, do you yeah. think we're the only ones who understood he was doing an Ultimate Warrior impersonation? Because I don't know if the younger kids would know who the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior is, do they? No, I don't think they would. But yeah, the Ultimate Warrior was my favourite. And then, and then, the, and then Holt Hogan. So, um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you did either, to be honest, <laughs> initially. But uh, <laughs> I think that there was a there was a great meme with with him over the top of the Ultimate Warrior, which, um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised he didn't rip that balustrade off off its hinges. Oh, but, that uh, poor was, woman, yeah, you know, she had no <laughs> idea what was going on, and she's oh, she had no God bless her. She handled it pretty well in the end because she just sort of yeah. like, oh well, I'm just going to let this go. Just let him write it out, you know. It was was great to see. (laughs) It was awesome. Mate, we talked about relays before, and I don't want to harp on sort of one person in particular and one relay Mm. in particular. Give me a story. Have you been a part of any sort of stories where maybe you got selected and somebody didn't or somebody did get selected and you should have? Obviously, it doesn't always. It's not black and white always in the Australian Mm. team getting Mm. selected. You know, we've heard stories of, swim offs in in morning sessions to try and get a, a place and all sorts yeah. of different ways yeah. of going about it many ways to skin a cat as they say have you been a part mm. of it witnessed any of that and just give me your sort of feedback on, on <laughs> how you saw it look i yeah definitely have been part of it and i think pre- previously we've had um you know the selection criteria for um for relays was much more uh, objective so if that's the right the right word where you could really you know you could put your hand up to up to the last minute and um and we would re- literally have time trials and swim offs up to the morning of of relays if we could so even for me i remember um in, in athens where i had a really bad trials and i was able to get my form um up to scratch, I guess, and I was swimming quite well at the at the beginning of Athens at the games, and um, but I haven't qualified for the four by two, or there was a couple. I only qualified for one relay, really. So um, I requested, you know, swim uh, time trials in one of the mornings, and also Pat Murphy did the same thing. So um, and you know, I think we because of probably my my history in relays and having the abilities from well and. You know, we were able to instead of you weren't being put in straight in there, mm. but you still had to perform. So, um, but there was that ability to throw your hat in the ring if you if you were if you were game. So, um, but yeah, you know, look, I think that swapping a team from morning to night, you know, we've only seen the Americans do that, um, and you know they've done it successfully previously. But I think it's. You know, you want always want those swimmers in form swimming at night, and 
um, yeah, I think we're all both talking about Molly, where she, you know, mm-hmm. potentially could have been in that in that final team, and and it is it's all about that. We I suppose speak about it again that momentum and you know leading from from the front, especially in relays, and um, so yeah, it's probably one of those that I think we will we will learn from for the future, and uh, you know, and and it's an experience for her having. You know, she'd swum the final, the four by one, so she would have been a, already in a pretty good position mentally to to swim that final, the four by two. But um, it is it is what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, she couldn't have done any more, could she? She set the pool on fire in the heats, one fifty five one junior world record. Uh, I thought yeah. she handled herself very, very well. Molly O'Callaghan been on the show before. I'll get her back on and we'll have a chat. I'll keep her out of <laughs> yeah, trouble. Exactly. No, I won't bring it up. I'll keep her out of trouble. Uh, mate, we're going to talk about Emma McKean. We can't talk about swimming last week and not talk about Emma McKean. At <laughs> exactly. the Olympics of exactly. her life, she became Australia's most successful Olympian of all time, um, which mm. you know couldn't have been easy for her either with the massive program that she's had. Um, you've been a swimmer who's had a lot of programs going on, mate, with relays and mm. hundreds and fifties mm. and fly. And how easy yeah. or hard, sorry, is it to go heat after heat, final after final, relay after relay, mm. and, and keep performing at that level? You would understand it, being someone who's been yeah. there. For someone like me who sits on the lounge and just cheers them home, and goes, "Well, how come <laughs> they're not going as fast as a world record? How hard yeah. is it to keep getting up <laughs> race after race?" Look, I think for her, for Emma and for me, also for many years, that's the only way I knew how to race. I always had a really busy program. And a couple of times when I did try to change it and I, you know, didn't pull out of the, the 200 free or and reduce my program to feel better, I actually didn't swim that much faster because it's you're almost kind of ready with this almost. And I heard Emma talking in, in that last um, interview with Nathan, um, Templeton, she spoke about just being focused for the whole week rather than having to focus for specific races. So, mm. you know, everything from every swim down to every warm up. So she's used to being busy the, that whole period. So, um, so yeah, I think it was more that mental approach and I, and, and I can vouch for that. It's you almost, you start the meet on, on the first morning and you don't finish it till after the medley relay. And everything in between, you just you just keep writing it out. So, um, and I think that she's been doing that for many years. And the the good thing is, if you you know, even I, I personally thought that she was going to win the the hundred butterfly, and I didn't expect you know this great performance in in the fifty free hundred freestyle potentially yes, but not the fifty free. So that's the that's the beauty of having a very extensive program where if something is not quite hitting the mark, you can probably make it up in another stroke and another distance that you don't really put that much pressure on yourself, which, you know, um, Emma mentioned, she wasn't really um, that serious about the 50 <laughs> and not to be so that serious and to, to win Olympic gold medal with an Olympic record is pretty, pretty bloody good. <laughs> yeah. Good honor. Yeah. She gave, uh, she gave um, that one to Bowley, didn't she? She said, I, d- I did that one for my coach. So, so yeah, that was exactly. a nice touch. Now we've got to get to probably the man of the week as well. So obviously mm. Emma ruled the women's side and probably she ruled the pool, let's be <laughs> honest. But from yeah. the men's perspective, Caleb Dressel um, mm. showed his dominance, I thought, on the world stage. Not that he hasn't before, yeah. but this was an Olympic Games. It's a different beast, as you know. Mm. Do you think there's been a lot of talk about saying he's the new Michael Phelps? Everyone keeps saying that. He did, mm-hmm. No doubt he had a phenomenal meet. I'm not going to say that he didn't. But do you yeah. think... 
he's still got a little ways to go if we look at what Michael did over, you know, the many, many years in his career? Yeah, look, I think it's it's always hard when you start comparing swimmers. And um, I think especially, you know, Caleb is swimming in the most competitive events on, you know, in the, on the program and with a margin for error is so tiny. And um, so you got from, from the 50 free to 100 free and 100 butterfly, then you got a couple of relays in there. Um, I don't have any doubt that he could probably swim the four by two as well. Um, you know, he's, he swam, he swam 145 comfortably a few times. So, but in the extent to the, to that many events in one meet, um, you know, who knows, but I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's great to have, you know, it's such a perfect record, five gold medals in one meet Olympic standard is just, uh, phenomenal. So I think he's, He's definitely the the equivalent of Michael Phelps right now. Um, you know the the longevity of Michael's career was was phenomenal. So if uh, if Caleb can do that for, for the next two Olympics, um, maybe we can revisit that conversation. Matt, another question for you, just while I'm I'm thinking on the spot here. Do you think we're comparing apples and oranges here, though, in terms of athletes and? Obviously, we look at Dressel and what he can do in the 50 and the 100, but we look at Michael and what he could do in a 400 IM. Uh, and no doubt, Absolutely. I've spoken to Bob Bowman before about, you know, how he trained for a 1500 freestyle as well. So do we think maybe that the big program definitely suited Michael more than maybe Caleb, who would be probably fairly taxed if he had to go through a 4 by 2 and the 200 free and all these other events? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, you know, yeah, we are comparing, you know, apples and oranges because I think it's the way, l- luckily, I think, you know, the, the prep, oh, look, I, I know that Caleb's trained pretty hard and it's still, you know, the, the intensity in his training is, is right up there and in, in, in the, in the dry, in a dry land as well. So um, it's, it is still quite different though. You know, obviously the, the mileage that Michael was, was swimming and, it set him up for all these other events in, mm. in that realm, in that sort of endurance realm. Whereas, you know, I, I think Caleb's obviously a, a speed machine, an explosive machine. So, um, yeah, slightly different. But, you know, it's it's just amazing to see that he's so dominant over the 53, which, you know, 0.4 of a second over the, you know, the best swimmers in the world was just phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. He's a beast, isn't he? There's no doubt about mm. that. Between him and Manadu. God damn. Yeah. I mean, I'm a straight man, but these these were some good looking, strong looking boys. The physiques and I'm exactly. gonna get back to the gym. These, these guys Man- are looking phenomenal. Manadu is he actually came and visited uh not just me specifically, but he came to Bali uh with about a year to go before the original Tokyo was gonna happen. And um and he just had he'd had all this six months off, or maybe even longer. He just did, as announced his comeback and um, but there was no ounce of fat on him, even in the middle of the break. <laughs> and we're all, you know, jumped in and did a few laps and went into the gym. He just stayed on the on the sunbed and and sunbaked and enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed the scenery. So he's just a is uh, a very natural gifted athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I bet he enjoyed. I bet all the women enjoyed the scenery as well. Manadu bloody getting out there sunbaking. Um, Mate, let's get on to Kate Campbell, Emily Seabom, competing in their fourth mm. Olympic Games. That cannot be understated. That's a massive 
effort. Not only did they get there and compete, they they came away with individual bronze medals as well as relay medals. We saw yeah. what Kate did on the very last day in that relay. An incredible effort. Just give us a little insight, A, into your thoughts of the two girls and, and those efforts to get to that, but also how much goes into just making an Olympic Games, the preparation, the injuries, overcoming things like that, now take into consideration COVID and all mm. the crap we've had yeah. to deal with in the last 18 months. Yeah, look, I, I, you know, both of, the, both of the girls, you know, Emily and, and Kate, um, probably Kate more so with the ex- expectations of, you know, obviously Kane being the flag bearer and, there's obviously a lot of ex- expectation on her after Rio and and obviously probably personal expectation as well. But the way she was able to um, verbalise it to everybody and um, be quite honest and, and vulnerable, really, mm. in regards to... And that, that's, you know, I don't think if she, if, she, if she didn't process it as well as she did, she probably would have been a massive burden for her and, and a much bigger weight to carry. But um for Emily I just feel like she kind of feels much freer and there's less expectation with with Kaylee now and I think she can just enjoy the sport a little bit more and even you know the and that's the same with with Kate and I think it's when it's when it's not weighing on you as much and um I think that's you know the swimmers can physically go um as probably as long as they want to but it's that mental drain of of the structure and the regime <laughs> of the injuries and the expectations. That's the thing that over time does wear you down. But there were, I think that's, you know, the other thing is we should probably acknowledge is that that team environment now, which it seems to be so healthy and mm. um, motivating for them. And I think that's probably the thing that's, you know, keeping everyone really happy and going. Absolutely. There's a phenomenal balance, isn't there, between experience and youth coming through. And Mm. to Gian's point yesterday, we're all talking about, will Kate and Emily Seabom keep going on? The next question is, will they be able to keep going on? Because we've got these phenomenal (laughs) young swimmers coming through that are going to challenge the girls for those spots if they want to keep going. I'm sure that, you know, they can. They're they're absolute champions, but it's not going to be a given, is it? No, absolutely not. And there's, you know, know, for individual spots for for Kate and the hundred, and you know potentially in the fifty, she'll have to battle it out with, with you know with with so many. We've had the we had the best sort of the depth in, in those sprint events for the last got a couple of years now, um, and also in now in the backstroke we're looking really strong. So yeah, um, but um, I think yeah I think I'm not sure what's going to happen for those girls moving forward, but it's not going to be easy if they do decide to stay in the sport. Not at all. Not when you've got little Molly O'Callaghan nipping at your heels. She's she's coming fast, that's for sure. Mate, the mixed relay concept, did you enjoy it? Um, Did you sit down and try and come up with your own team as well? I know um, this sort of concept has sparked a lot of those sort of super coach sort of fans to come out of the woodwork and start writing down numbers and calculating Mm -hmm. who would be faster than who. I know Bobby Hurley was right into that and he was pretty much saying that you know, if you can get a really fast male breaststroker, that makes a big difference in terms of yeah, the, the whole yeah. team outlook. Obviously, uh, we look at no, you know, no one going past Adam Pedia and what he was mm, able to mm, do. Yeah, exactly. Go yeah. one of the fastest splits of all time. Did you enjoy it? Um, yeah. What do you think of it? Yeah. Look, I'm I'm not sure if this is going to be controversial or not, but I I wasn't a big fan. I'm not really a big fan of the mixed events, and I thought that the, you know, I think let's keep the Olympic program 
as tight as possible and even, you know, not having, there's probably no need for the 800 in a men's program either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to have it almost like, you know, that's what the world championships are for. And even with that, it's, it becomes a um, pretty, pretty big program for everybody. I don't think there's a need for a women's 1500. Um, I, I just, I just feel that the Olympic program should be tight. Um, you know, yeah. So um, and it's it's not necessarily you know like there's so many variables in that mix relay that um, yeah it's not necessarily the best team that wins too it's potentially if you got a good swimmer in a certain stroke and um, of what gender so um, yeah I'm, I'm probably a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to to events I mean we've only got we only got introduced to 53 and only a few decades ago so um, but we seem to have introduced so many events in in the last sort of uh in the last five years or so does that mean mate you're against my push to get the 50s in there i want 50 fly 50 back and 50 breast in there as well well i don't i don't don't think we need it mate (laughs) i think we need it but anyway so we can we can agree to disagree but uh i think the you know the program is so it's so packed already you know and then you've already got swimmers winning you know, doubles and things like that. So um, I think, yeah, just making it, I mean, it's obviously very special to win anything, but, um, you know, I'm just watching the track in the background, but for anyone to win the 100 and not many of some, some go to 200, but no one really goes from 200 to 400. So, Mm. um, yeah, just making it so specialised, I guess, would be my, my focus. Yeah, I'm um, with there with the 15 and the eight being added because goddamn, I had to watch because obviously doing the podcast <laughs> and we were you know doing the analysis on it. Goddamn, those early heats of the 1500. I mean, that was no offense to them. God bless them. You know, they're in Olympic games yeah. and they're doing their best, but it was excruciating. I, I would much prefer, as I said, just to watch a quick, you know, fast 50 breast, 50 back. I think it'd be exciting. Yeah. Changing with the times a little bit, but I take your point, mate. It's okay. I take your point. We can't always have the same uh, opinions, which I think is is a good thing about our sport. We don't always see it the same way. Uh, Mate, now I'm going to chuck out some questions for you. This We're nearly finished here. We're going to wrap it up Sure, no worries. Uh, And whatever, you know, first comes to your head, who you think of, chuck it out there and we'll have a quick chat about it. Who was your breakout star of the game? So someone that we, we didn't think you know, was going to do that well or we didn't even see coming, can be from any country. Who did you see as the breakout star of the week? Oh, look, I'll focus on, on Aussies, but I think Zach Stubbley Cook, like we didn't, we, you know, like obviously that 200 breaststroke and it's so evenly matched and for him to actually step up and race those guys and have that belief and, mm. you know, like he, he was only in front for 10 metres of the race. <laughs> so I, I just love watching these youngsters and Kaylee McEwen and even Ariane. She's proven it last year, but, uh, you know, the World Championships. But I'm having that confidence to, you know, to really throw it down when they needed to. So, um, but, yeah, I, I think that was um, – I remember calling him a couple of years ago at the, at the Nationals in Adelaide and um, and – yeah, I mean, you'd never forget the name like Zach's, but um, you, you, I didn't think that two years later he'd be an Olympic champion. So for me, that's definitely a break breakthrough uh, performance. Oh, it was phenomenal. There's no doubt. And, um, you know, you say there he was only, you know, winning for that last sort of five or ten metres. And he went on to win quite convincingly when you look at the margin. So it was exactly. a phenomenal race against a star-studded field. Like there was some, 
some quality yeah. breaststrokers in there. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, even uh, there was a lookalike. The Finnish guy looked like my younger brother. So <laughs> there's the, uh, everyone kept on text. Everyone kept on texting me saying, "I didn't realize you took up breaststroke." So um, <laughs> that was uh, that was quite funny. Uh, I know who you're talking about. He surprised a lot of people as well. That guy to to get up yeah. on the podium. He did a phenomenal job. Uh, for me, I went Ahmed Hafnawi uh, from Tunisia oh, yeah. in the 400 free. I, nobody Absolutely. saw that coming. I don't think even he saw that coming. So. <laughs> He went off, yeah. and uh, Lydia Jacoby of of America in the hundred breaststroke because it was yeah you know billed as uh, Lily King versus probably Shonemaker, and then uh, here comes Jacoby in the last sort of fifteen meters to to get over the top of him. So that was yeah, absolutely. And I and I can't remember the the, the girl's name, but the the Japanese girl that won the two hundred and four hundred IM, obviously yeah. that Ohashi. There is Ohashi exactly. So I think you've got you know, for anyone <laughs> to win it on home soil. But then to go back to back, it's, uh, you know, the Japanese across all sports have been doing amazing, amazingly well. So um, that was, you know, I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, she did a great job, Ahashi, especially Seto and a few of the sort of big famous uh, uh, Japanese swimmers probably weren't performing and, and she stood up when they needed it, which was phenomenal. Mate, what about the relay yeah. race of the week? Oh, it would have to be the last one, I think. You know, the the girls, uh, the girls, med- uh, the girls medley relay towards the end with you know with Kate Campbell's potentially her her swan song. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we, you know, if we, you know, if we think about it, most of the time the last ten meters would be Kate's weakest part of her race. But I think even though she was fading, and the uh, you know the Americans were also fading, she was managed to to hold on, <laughs> to, you know, with, to a certain degree. And I think, it, you know, staying in control in those last 15 metres, you could see the hurt, you could see the stroke rate slowing down, but she managed to stay in control of that. And um, and then obviously her length in, in the last couple of strokes got her on the wall. But um, that was really, that was really special. Yeah. Uh, mate, what about favourite non-Aussie swimmer of the week? Was there a performance? Obviously, we talked about Dressel and Milak, so maybe take that one out of it. Was there a performance yeah. that you saw? For me, it was Yang Yufei of, of China. Um, I thought she had a phenomenal week. When you look at the 200 yeah. fly, she backed up in the 4 by 2 She, she um, yeah, medaled exactly. in that, you know, all over them. She was even nearly finaling in the 50 freestyle, for crying out loud, Yang Yufei. Yeah. They couldn't keep her out of it. <laughs> so she was my yeah, favourite. Exactly. What about you? Oh, um, look, I am, um, again, I'm terrible with names, but the, the Russian that uh, obviously everyone thought, uh, um, you know, was it Clement was going to pretty much win the 100 backstroke and um, I can't remember the second backstroke of the Russian. Um, Rilov? That, yeah, Rilov, yeah. So for him to come, come away and swim so well, Mm-hmm. I think it was, you know, especially because he was the underdog, you know. So, um, and he was so solid, and uh, and he probably had the best face mask out of anyone at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Real off. <laughs> yeah. It was a big meet for him too, because obviously Ryan Murphy coming in as a red yeah. hot favorite from America, and America have you know such dominance, uh, especially in that hundred backstroke over a long, long period of time. So. Uh, yeah. Real of, um, you know, definitely had a great meet, and we're not going to mention uh, Ryan Murphy's uh, some of his comments after the races either. So we don't want to get too <laughs> controversial. But uh, mate, what about debutante of the week from Australia? So there was a there was a plethora 
Um, I'm going to name mm. a few just to help you out. Obviously, Tommy Neal, uh, it's better yeah. than Lego. He was fantastic. Brendan Smith <laughs> with a bronze medal in the IM. Um, mm. Even mm. I, I want to give a special mention to Chelsea Hodges, who did breaststroke in that IM relay that you just spoke yeah. about. Let's not yeah. understate. She went 105.5. She was half a second off the girl who actually won a gold medal in the 100 breaststroke. And that was a massive PB for her. So, you know, as much as we all say how great it was, Kate did well and everyone played their part, but she definitely stepped up when they needed her. Do mm. you have sort of one mm. that stands out to you? Look, I, I, you know, I'm a big bias as well. I, I mean, Matt Temple is, is someone that I, I like watching. He's so strong mm. and he's, you know, he goes from freestyle to butterfly and, you know, 50.9. It's, you know, it's, he's heading in the right direction. Um, so, it, you know, being a Victorian too. So he was, he's probably my favourite. So he's what one that of the mullet? we definitely need to nurture for it. <laughs> but I'm like any, any hair style for me is, is great <laughs> because there's nothing. I'm like, I can't grow anything. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, if you can rock it, do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was good. He's got a, a very big future, Matt Temple. He's one on my radar, that's for sure, especially after trials uh, and the swims yeah. he, he did at trials and what he showed that he's capable of. I uh, definitely think we're going to see him on some podiums in years to come, mate. Uh, finally, if yeah. we take sort of Emma McKeon out of it, because we know what a phenomenal week she had, what was sort of the mm. the standout performance for you in terms of Australia? Who stood up for you? Who stands out for the week? Obviously, as I said, we know Emma McKeon. For me, I'll go yeah. first. It was Kaylee McEwen um, doing the double mm -hmm. and then standing up in the relays as well. I thought she was yeah. phenomenal yeah. under pressure. But you look, oh, oh, we, we can't go past Ariane to with Katie Ledecky on that first night, uh, well, not first night, the four by four hundred free. You know, that's it's yeah, it's obviously backing it up from a world world championships. But you, you're taking on someone who's never lost at that level, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. So I think for just showed so much more maturity than we can expect at that at that age and. Um, and composure in the race to be able to, we, I think you probably spoke about this so many times, mate, but for someone to be able to sit a body length behind the likes of a Katie, Katie Ledecky to then, and then, then put the pace on and go past them, um, the composure to do that is pretty phenomenal. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, Ariane there and then in the 203 to back it up was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And just for all the listeners out there, and you can attest to this, mate, because you're a part of a race that um, famously had four people execute race plans to perfection in that four <laughs> by one in Sydney. So when fluke. you look, it was a fluke. I was not, absolutely not. It was well trained and well drilled. If we look back at, you know, Kaylee's and Ariane's and, and all these phenomenal swims, look at Zach Stubblity Cook, the composure mm. and sticking to a race plan. Yeah. And not, you know, feeling the pressure to race out hard with the others. Can't be understated, mm. Canada. It's such a key component. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think that's been the shift in, in the whole team. I think even the guys that maybe didn't get back for finals and, um, you know, had, they realised that. And even, you know, having the, the finals in the morning session and heat in, at night, I think, you know, the, it it looked to me like everyone could swim well at any time of the day, which mm. is which is a great great asset to have. And they understood the the enormity of the situation. And then it's almost just there's no such thing of coasting through heats and then 
you know, improving through as as you go, where they just kind of laid it on and um, which was fantastic. So, and then, and these guys that are probably some of the first, second major meets and they're still, um, you know, in control almost of their, of their races, which is great to see. All right, mate, before we wrap it up, any sort of, t- any tips of sports to watch <laughs> over the next few days? Is there anything you're really excited about? Oh, look, I'm, I'm definitely, well, probably, this is probably happening as we speak, the, uh, the Boomers and the, uh, the Dream Team. <laughs> so I love, uh, I love my basketball, so I'll, mm. be, uh, I'll be tuning into that. The beach volleyball we spoke about, um, you know, I think that I always like watching the marathon. And it'll be interesting to watch the marathon in the heat. To see how these guys oh, are going to handle Oh, those poor it. bastards. How are they going to do it? It's so odd over there. People dropping like flies. Exactly. So that will be uh, that will be interesting. And look, I also like the track cycling. I mean, we've, I don't know. You've, you've obviously saw poor Aussie guys where the, where the handlebars snapped off. Mm. And, um, and, but um, to see those guys going, you know, 76, 78 kilometers an hour, on a bike um, on the round track is <laughs> it's amazing. So um, I like I like the track cycling as well. Showed how dangerous that sport is, didn't it? Like just in an <laughs> instant, how quickly like the poor guy's face, the skin's all oh, ripped yeah. off. And... <laughs> right, oh. it was it was really yeah, it was was pretty uh, pretty intense actually. <laughs> yeah, poor bastard. I got my two year old daughter off her bike straight away. I said, "Get off that bike. That's it. We're not getting on bikes anymore." It was too intense for me. All, all the padding on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Wrapper and cotton wool. Mate, thank you very yeah, much too. for coming on again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. We always have a great chat, you and I, and, um, you know, no doubt today was no, no my, different. Yeah, mate, no worries. Anytime. So, yeah, it's great things to come, obviously, with, um, you know, with obviously the Olympics in 32, but then we've got such a great team that it's, you know, we should celebrate it. But I reckon within, you know, we've got commies coming up and then, um, obviously there's so many great meets that these guys will get to shine and we'll get to know them even more. And no doubt, mate, we'll catch up again and have some more chats and I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, mate, enjoy the rest of the games. I know you will. I know you're pumped and excited for it. And thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swing podcast. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Cheers mate.